Thursday, and welcome to Not Boring Founders. My name is Pat McCormick, and I'm your host. So on Not Boring Founders, the point of this whole thing is that every day I get to talk to people who are building the future. I have some of these really interesting conversations on Zoom, and it's just me and this one other person. So I decided to, to turn the mic on and have those conversations in public. I also want to introduce you to the founders in the Not Boring Portfolio. These are some of the most compelling people that I get the chance to meet, and I want them to be able to tell their stories, let you know how they're building the future, any tips and tricks that they have, and any big things that they have going on. In the case of today's founder, Rohit Mittal, the CEO and founder of Stilt, the big thing they have going on is pulling off the Amazon AWS first and best customer strategy. It's a strategy that Amazon's well known for, but that I also wrote about when I wrote about Lithic, when privacy.com realized that they built this incredible card issuing infrastructure and turned it out as its own API first product. Well, still is doing the same thing with credit. It built its own full credit stack in the background, including licenses, and it decided to spin that out as an API first product on Bo. So without further ado, I'll let Rohit tell you all about it. So Rohit, could you introduce yourself, tell us about the business that you're running when we first met, and then we'll dive in from there. Hi everyone, I'm Rohit, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Stilt, and Stilt is an immigrant-focused fintech company. We started a few years ago, primarily focused on the underserved immigrant population and providing them financial products. And the first product we started with on that front was an unsecured personal loan. The problem that I and many millions of immigrants face every year is that they move to the U.S. and suddenly they don't have any credit history or they don't have any identity in any financial identity in the U.S., which means all the banks and lenders and others are not able to lend to this population. All these high quality immigrants are actually seen as very high deep subprime credit risk amongst the financial community, and then they are not able to access credit. They are supposed to. So we built a new company focused primarily on this population and helping them get access to credit on day one of their arrival using alternative data. And when I moved to the U.S. and I was sleeping on someone's couch in New York because I could not rent an apartment was kind of the first thing that resulted in starting the company. And then we went through Y Combinator, raised a few rounds of funding, and then, yeah, have been growing that business and just have now served immigrants from 160 different countries overall. I didn't even know names of these many countries. And now we have tens of thousands of customers getting loans from us and have done hundreds of millions of dollars of loans over the past few years. That's unbelievable. I remember the first time we spoke, I was calling from my in-laws basement. My, my in-laws are Indian immigrants. And so I like went upstairs afterwards and I asked, I was like, how big a problem of this? Like how hard, how hard is it to get yeah. credit? And they're like, oh, yeah, this is like the, this is the story. Like you get here, you need to borrow money from family because you can't take out a loan and you need to do X, Y, and Z thing. And then you mentioned, this is just a wedge when when we do this. And then we can kind of be the place that immigrants go for everything. And there's different TV subscriptions that the whole Indian side of my family does IPTV. And so like, maybe you do something with IPTV or there's all these other things you can do. Since then though, you've taken the business a different direction. So can you explain how that pivot happened? Yeah, we actually think of it less as a pivot and more as an extension of the business where we are doubling down on our key strength of credit. So what we built at Stilt in the early days is a new credit infrastructure for ourselves. And 
it was a blessing in disguise that we actually ended up building everything in-house. Generally, if you uh, think about any lending or any credit business, there are a few pieces. You need to acquire customers somehow. Uh, you need to underwrite them. Then you need to, quote unquote, originate loans, i.e. give them money. Uh, then you need to take payments, and, you know, uh, get that money back. And then you need to report to credit bureaus. And to do all of this, you need debt capital. Right. So there are these five or six different pieces. If you deconstruct a lending company, you'll see every lending company or every credit company has these five or six pieces. Many companies actually historically have not built this in-house. Like they will acquire customers and they will underwrite them, but they will use someone else's licenses to originate loan. They will use someone else's loan management system. They will use someone else's servicing capabilities, so on and so forth. Like it's very common for someone to originate alone, i.e. give customers money and then pass it on to someone else who's going to take back money. The different thing we did was we built everything sort of in-house, kind of like vertical integration of, you know, SpaceX kind of thing. Everything is in the same place. Um, it was actually important for us. And, and one of it was also one of our insights is like nobody understands immigrants as well as we do. So it was important for us to keep these different pieces internally. So we continue to serve these customers. And as you mentioned earlier, we wanted to provide them with new products over their lifetime. So it was important that they, we continue to maintain the relationships and no, not anyone else. Um, as as we'd been doing that, we actually launched multiple products. We launched a checking account and remittance product and credit builder products. But as we were doing those products, and I wrote about uh, it in my, uh, in a Substack post, I wrote uh, that as the product, as a fintech product changes, the dimensions of your capability changes. Like a checking account is a very different dimensional. Like if you if you look at different dimensions of acquisition and underwriting and things like those, there your strengths need to be very different than if you're a lending company. In that case, you need to be very good at underwriting, very good at servicing, very good at licenses and so on and so forth. So what we realized was as we were offering multiple products, we had to be very, very good at all of these different things, which was incredibly difficult. We were getting a little spread out amongst these new products. So we did some soul searching and we what we realized is that our credit infrastructure product is the strength of the company. During this time, I'd been helping so many founders launch their own lending company. So we went through YC. So, you know, I, I wrote a, a bunch of stuff, talked to founders, like I'd been helping them. And I was giving the same advice to everyone. I felt like we have built all of this stuff for ourselves. We own all of this infrastructure, which is a different approach than everyone else. We can actually build a layer on top of all the various pieces of a lending company and actually provide it through an API, like a one-stop shop for these founders. So they don't have to figure out everything on their own. They don't have to go to 50 different providers and integrate each of them because we have already done that for ourselves. So we slowly just talk to a few founders and, and ask them if they'll be interested in this kind of product. Funnily enough, we found that founders had been looking for a product like this, even after me giving all this advice, because it was just too time consuming for them to build this themselves. And they had raised money, but they did not have a product launch. So they took it uh, with both their hands and they very quickly signed up with us to use this product. And that gave us some validation, even before we had a website, even before we had anything. It was just through conversations. How, they... how has this piece not been built yet? It seems like, you know, fintech infrastructure has been just on an absolute mm -hmm. heater over the past five years. 
Mm-hmm. You're able to snap together a financial institution from infrastructural pieces if you want to, and then really just focus on kind of the other side that you said you don't want to do anymore, which is focus on customer acquisition for certain mm-hmm. groups. This feels like such a foundational piece. How is this not built yet? It exists in a very bad form. Lending Club actually was the one who started this through partnership with WebBank. So all of us have heard of bank sponsors and WebBank is one of them. Celtic is another Crossover is another big one, right? Like, all, and there are like five or six others, and many banks are coming into this space. But the way the industry is set up, it's that all the core compliance stuff is owned by the bank. And for everything else, there are 10 companies that you can choose from because all of these parties are independent. All of them have different interests. You have to go and kind of, you know, herd these cats and try to build your product for your use case. So you go to a bank and bank's going to be like, oh, do you have a loan management system? Do you have an underwriting model that we can test? You have X, Y, Z. Like they'll ask you 500 different questions and you haven't yet done even a single loan. So, So you can't actually sign up with a bank and then no one else can help you until you have a bank signed up and you have actually loans going through your system. The first part that I mentioned where we built everything in-house gave us a different perspective because in this case, we are that sponsor. It's our licenses that people are building on top of. They can come to us and we, because we are founders, we have run consumer lending company or we are running consumer lending company. We can actually see everything and we can help them build a product in one place. So they, don't, so they don't have to deal with a lot of people with different misaligned or separately aligned incentives. Some of it has been solved on the debit card side. So all these banking as a service platforms, there are a lot of banks behind those products because in that case, the risk of money is lower. Like fraud risk is taken by the, by the neobank. All the other risk is taken by the neobank. And bank is, it's bank's ledger, it's bank's infrastructure, and it takes nine months to launch, but you can only do debit products. When you do credit products, then everything changes. Then you have to start a whole cycle again. It's very difficult to get banks to approve for a credit product. So then in terms of your go-to-market, so you built this thing in the back end, you started talking Mm -hmm. to founders, founders wanted the product even before you really had a product. Then what comes next? Like, how do you launch this thing? Is it part of still, is it separate? How does it all work? The founder opened my eyes to it. He was like, maybe you should have a different product name for this because you are known in the market as an immigrant lending company. And anytime he was telling his friends about still, they were like, oh, the immigrant lending company. So it took a little bit of education to tell them this is also product by still. And then we then, then he suggested, why not just have like a different product name so people can just relate to it fresh without any baggage uh, from still. Then we can also tell easily uh, help them understand that this is powered by the same infrastructure uh, that still has built over the past few years. So we decided it was, it was a whole thing. We went and we searched for a name, decided on the word Onbo, O-N-B-O. Uh, dot com. We bought the domain, paid tens of thousands of dollars for it. Yeah, so it's decided on that name and now um, kind of just like allocated the engineering team, like allocated some engineers to build a layer on top of everything that we had been using ourselves. And we are reorganizing to use Onbo's infrastructure even for Stilt, Stilt's core, core product. So kind of like Onbo is going to be the infrastructure powering everything, including our own consumer product. There's obviously a lot of people, or I would assume that there are a lot of people who signed mm-hmm. up to work at Stilt because they believed in the mission. They made mm-hmm. immigrants themselves. They wanted to build financial products for immigrants. What's the kind of internal transition 
look like where you're getting people on board. You as the founder see this opportunity. You live that story yourself. So obviously like you want to build for immigrants as well. Yeah. How do you turn that ship internally when so many people I'm sure bought into the mission? I, I know I did. Yeah, no, totally. The mission of the company hasn't necessarily changed. It has only evolved and expanded. We are still lending to immigrants internally in the company. So still core lending product still continues. And we are expanding access to financial products in, in, in that market even now. Uh, the way we think about this is when we actually started the company, like day one of Stilt was just focused on in graduate international students at Columbia. Someone like me, right? Like, yep. so, so that's where we started the company and then it evolved to international, all international students, then to like professional workers and international students and then to immigrants. Our market has constantly been evolving, but it has always been about providing services to people who don't have access to high quality financial services that they deserve. And the, the thing with this new product Onbo is that we can actually have a hundred X impact uh, than what we were having before. Many of our clients now are actually, the first few clients of ours are actually serving the underserved population and helping them build credit. That includes like African-American folks, Hispanic folks, students, so on and so forth. So what Stilt was able to do itself directly by getting immigrants on their platform, we are able to already do 10x more uh, by offering this infrastructure to others who are helping different segments of the society. So the impact is actually way bigger than what it was previously. The thing that comes to mind is the Ben Thompson piece on Stripe and Shopify platform mm -hmm. platforms where you know you can sell to people who then sell to other customers and, and down the line, and you no longer have to pay that kind of consumer CAC, but your job becomes selling it to other platforms and supporting them to offer new products. Right. How do you have to change internally for that piece too, where it's like a consumer mm -hmm. marketing company to now maybe either just a bottoms up you know, product-led sales company or just straight-up sales company? What does that look like? Yeah, uh, now it's an enterprise sales company. <laughs> there is an infrastructure product. There is little product-led growth. Like yeah, once sure. you, But once you become someone's infrastructure, you stay there. And the internal muscle that we have to pull is like we kept everyone working who was working on Stilt's core immigrant lending product the same. Like they're still working on immigrant. It's still working on the lending product. We hired a whole new team to focus only on the B2B product. So a YC founder who was in the same batch as I was, he built a B2B company, he sold a B2B company, and somehow I was able to convince over a period of many months to join as a head of head of Onbo, the head of sales. He does a lot of work for Onbo and he's building a team. So a lot of new people who we are hiring are just focused solely on the B2B product. Like I'm learning a lot myself and building this muscle. Uh, of sales, but the core infrastructure is still the same. So, you know, technical team is still the same. A lot of operations st is still the same. It's the sales and the go-to-market side that we are hiring people for, who's just like doing a great job at telling others about, about the product. So who's like an ideal customer? I can imagine there are some neobanks who, who reach an end user directly. Mm -hmm. Would a banking as a service platform also be a customer, even like kind of one layer down the stack and then you're yep. able to reach all of their customers? Yeah, we'll be we'll be announcing some some things over the next few months. But you can imagine that there are so many card providers. Like now, you can have like debit cards from so many companies, but nobody can offer credit. And when these card providers 
get customers, their customers are asking for credit. And many of these card providers are not able to sign up these customers because they're like, oh, we only do debit, we don't do credit. But now the credit piece can actually be provided by Stealth or Onbill, right? So now if you are, let's say, a trucking technology company and you are providing fuel cards to truckers and you now you want to provide them some line of credit associated with that fuel card, you can do that without going to a bank. You can do that with still. So you already have the debit card and you can just associate a credit line with that card in, in a few weeks with that product. That's what we are doing. We, we plan to stay within our core competency on, of credit. So we become a natural partner to everyone who's doing debit. That makes a ton of sense to your, to your earlier point, to just focus on the thing that you are absolutely the best in the world and the best position to do, and then partner with other people who are really good at, at doing right. all of those other things. In that value chain then, or in like, you know, let's break down a transaction. Mm -hmm. Who gets what? If you deconstruct your credit card, right, you, there are a few things that are happening behind the scenes. One is you're, you're making money on interchange, right? Credit interchange is higher than debit interchange you make that money up from the merchant. That's one. Second, someone's providing you money behind that credit card because it's not coming out of your bank account. Uh, so someone's providing that money. Third, the person who's providing the money is actually earning an interest if you don't pay off your balance in full at the end of the month. Then when you when you make those payments, you're like you build credit, so someone's reporting that to credit bureaus and stuff like that. So if if we look at this value chain, so the, the companies providing the debit cards are actually earning the interchange or they are earning interchange split uh, on, on the debit card. But then we are the ones who can enable that credit piece uh, in partnership with, in this case, Acme Trucking Company. And Acme Trucking Company can actually earn all of the interest uh, that comes from providing a line to the trucker. So now their revenue per trucker is way higher and still earns uh, base SAS fee and some percentage of that origination. So now the, the Acme trucking company that was only earning debit interchange before can now on interest, can help truckers build credit and still gets to keep some SAS fee and a small percentage of the origination. So who loses whenever there's like a new, a new business model or a new kind of way of yeah. reaching a customer? Yeah. I always like to think where the money's coming from. Where's yeah. the money coming from in this case? If someone's going to lose, it's going to be uh, credit sponsor providers who are not doing a good job, who are taking many, many months to launch a product. But I think what we are essentially doing is we are enabling. So we are creating a new market where a market may not have existed before. It's kind of like uh, Uber thing or maybe Stripe thing, just because now it's easier to do something, more people will do it who have been wanting to do it. Now, this Acme Trucking Company, in our example, have has been thinking about doing credit, but when they go and they talk to a bank sponsor, they're like a million dollars in nine months and 12 months or 15 months to launch a product. It's like, we'll we'll push it out, like do this later. But now when they come to us, they're like, they can launch in weeks and they can uh, keep more of the unit economics for themselves. So they want to do it sooner. So in, in some ways, like those lower quality product provider providers lose, but I think essentially what's happening is we are creating a bigger market. So people are quote unquote, taking more cab rides because it's easier to take a cab right now. This is super interesting. Cause I mean, like that is one of my favorite things about Stripe is that when you give people the ability to accept money online, then, oh my God, all of a sudden there's all of these things that, that people can build that they couldn't have built before. Right. In your case, that's taking out loans. There's yes. 
obviously some risk that you're introducing into the system if more people are taking out loans. Mm -hmm. Who bears the underwriting risk, you know, for still, you're underwriting a population that you understand better than anybody else in the world. And you understand which factors are going to lead to repayment and all of those types mm -hmm. of things. How do you work with companies who have a different kind of end uh, borrower population to make sure yeah. that you're, you're not introducing too much risk in? Yeah, uh, we are, we actually collaborate with the companies to build those underwriting guidelines. There's one key thing that most lending companies or credit companies miss out on that acquisition channel is more valuable than the underwriting model. In these cases, all these companies actually have captive customers who they are, try who they are like, trying to lend to. And in these cases, their credit risk is actually way lower if I were to acquire the same customer as a lending company completely separately. But in this case, like fuel card, Acme trucking company, is that trucker's business is dependent on using this, this company's technology and this technology company can actually provide credit. So they, they actually don't bear, not a, the, the risk is not materially intri uh, increased. It's just that it's better for the trucker to get a loan at a lower cost because now it's coming directly from the software that they're using. This trucking company can, can actually get a debt facility from many of the debt providers and banks who have now billions of dollars on their balance sheet uh, currently not earning interest so we it, it'll become a marketplace of sorts where many billions of dollars will find a home for low risk high return asset or better risk adjusted return assets the tam question here like the total addressable market question here is outlandish yeah. but how many trillions of dollars are lent in the u.s uh, just mortgages itself is two and a half trillion, I think, every year. And if you want to look at the overall outstanding balance, I think 13 trillion mortgage is outstanding, about 1.6 trillion student loans, trillion plus auto loans, 1.2 trillion credit card debt. And I think every year, 100, 200 billion dollars of personal loans, right? The debt is is a massive, massive market. And, and I'm talking only consumer. So I'm not even talking commercial or, you know, uh, other other types of debt. It's only consumer. So commercial just gets multiplied because the, the, the sizes are way bigger on the commercial side. I think we recently looked at the number, like every year, SBA loans are like $700 billion or something like that. Uh, so uh, small business loans are few hundred billion dollars either it's every year or it's compound but it's it's yeah numbers are mind-boggling when you see that opportunity how do you think yeah. about reorienting the company to and we talked a little bit about go to market but like yeah do you just raise a war chest to go like while you have the best product by far you just raise a war chest to go expand to everything like how do you eat as much of that as possible yeah i think that's that's a question we are answering internally ourselves we are trying to figure out what's the best way to attack uh, the market or what's the best way to scale. And we have realized that there are some areas where we do really well. And we'll first go at a certain stage of a company that has a certain number of customers, has has raised a certain funding amount, and is where credit is actually important to their customers. We'll go to them first and then prove out those use cases and then kind of grow from there. What we want to eventually do is like, make it simpler for startups to actually launch credit products. If we are able to do that, we think that the market will continue to grow bigger. And once we get into some of these companies, as they grow, like we grow with them. The TAM question, the go-to-market question is like, 
you know, it's kind of like a candy store. So yeah. Like, what, where, do, where do we start? And, and we are letting our customers tell us uh, who can integrate the fastest, who, who already knows their stuff, in whose business can we have the biggest impact, and then go, go from there. So in a market this big, like in a year, if you look back, what does success look like for you? And you can be within like an order of magnitude here or something, but like what kind of volume do you want to be you know, facilitating? Yeah, I think we'll definitely be doing nine figure plus volumes, 10 figure possibly, because uh, one customer, like even in our current pipeline, I think we are seven or eight figures of lending volume uh, as these customers go live. And the current ones that are integrating, right? One customer is just like seven, eight figure lending volume within a year. Internally, we we just think about like how how do we balance these big numbers with the risk of the company, right? Like because we it, everything is in house built by us. We are we are the compliance backend and everything. So we just want to manage the growth with the the compliance risk. If we are able to do a a great job at compliance. I think ten figures, uh, nine high nine figures, ten figures uh, is is achievable. I mean, I, I obviously see why you want to go after this expansion. I love infrastructure businesses, and and particularly whether it's API first or just infrastructure in general, when you have to do a ton of really hard work yourselves, which you've done, and so why not go in and do that? Is there anything that like keeps you up at night and that you're worried about when you're like, ah, I had a good thing going and now I'm like, I have this opportunity that is a hundred times larger, but I'm scared because of X. The only thing that, uh, that I think about is like, uh, what if we are not able to do as good of a job just because we don't have experience in this uh, industry, but that's why I try to hire the best team that can support us in all the areas where we are weak. And that's why I was like, I, I knew that I have to hire a founder uh, to lead this. I cannot hire a normal, you know, uh, career salesperson kind of VP uh, to lead this. And it's like, no, I need to hire a founder. I need someone who will take ownership and build this with us. So hiring the right team is the thing that I focus on the most in, in this particular business. And I feel like if we hire the right team, everything else will follow from there. So, so that's my kind of biggest thing that keeps me awake and hiding is more difficult now it's very very difficult compared to before i basically count my blessings every day that i was able to convince this yc founder to work with me it is yeah i mean I, this is the, the, the most common refrain from everybody that i speak with is just how wild hiring is right now so moving from fear because we can't end on that to this is the mm-hmm. last question what yeah. is Numbers aside, whatever, but in a decade, like if you're as successful as possible, not just like what does Ambo look like, but like what what is different and better in the world because you've been successful? I think if we if we look back like to 1900s even, what we'll see is that the cost of credit and the access to credit has consistently improved over the past century. And the pace of that improvement is increasing faster. So now more people get access to money who deserve it at the, at the prices that they deserve access. And it's, it's a very small thing, but it has enormous impact if you add small numbers to like tens of millions of people. And I think in, in the next five to 10 years, like we'll just have so much better financial products for consumers, uh, both credit and non-credit, that it's going to be just massively, massively, like we'll look back and be like, how were we even operating 
10 years ago. And I'm not even including crypto in this. Like that's like a whole thing that you know really well about. But uh, even if keeping crypto aside, like I think it's just going to be a massive, massive a shift in consumer credit that hasn't happened in the past century. Congratulations. I know it's a big, it's a, a lot of work and it feels yep. like you're coming out the other side and things are going really, really well. So thanks so much for uh, joining me and I'm, I'm pumped to be a part of the journey. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for being a supporter.